step on her feet. Sometimes I do pretty well, other times maybe not so much. As the father of the bride at Alyssa's wedding this summer, I was grateful that she and Dash, our son-in-law, decided that the father-daughter and mother-son dances should happen at the same time. So there wasn't too much pressure on any of us, and there were more, you know, they, people. not everybody was looking at you, they might have been looking at the other the mother and son dancing. Now, I, I wouldn't have changed anything for the world. It was a special moment to be able to dance with my daughter on her wedding day. And uh, amidst all the chaos, uh, you know, it's a cherished memory of mine. And, but after that dance, I migrated off the dance floor and I went to do something I am much more comfortable and competent at doing. I ate ice cream. And I visited with family and friends. Now later in the evening, Robin and I were cajoled back onto the dance floor. And it wasn't during a slow song, so I did my best to work my way into the middle of the dance floor and try not to stick out too much. But it wasn't long before the kids started a conga line. I didn't know they knew what a conga line was. And I don't know if it's because um, I was feeling confident in my dance moves, or if it's because I felt like I was the father of the bride, and what are people going to say, right? Um, but when they invited us into the conga line, I refused to go. Standing on the principle that conga, a conga line is lazy dancing. And if we're going to dance, we're going to do this right. What a mistake. Because <laughs> it wasn't long before the conga line wrapped all the way around the dance floor, and Robin and I were dancing alone in the middle of the empty dance floor. <laughs> and the conga line figured out what was happening, and they all turned and started clapping as we were dancing in the middle of the dance floor. So that was our moment to shine. We had a spin or two. And neither of us fell down, so we considered it quite the success. Now, having performed in front of an audience, I would not call myself a professional dancer. But I can probably better relate now than I used to to the description of David dancing in our reading from 2 Samuel this morning. Our reading comes from a time in the history of the Israelites when they finally had the king that they had long awaited. They'd been waiting for a king. They'd been asking God to give them a king. And last week's reading from Ruth came from a time when the judges ruled the nation of Israel, a time before God had given them a king. It was considered a time when the people did what was, they considered right in their own eyes. When the people are doing what they think is right, it's probably not so good. And it wasn't. So God finally relents and he provides a king for Israel. He 
he anoints King Saul as their first king. And the people thought that having a king would help them transition from being 12 disparate tribes of Israel to become one unified nation that could stand on its own on the world stage. But Saul's interest in being king were different than the people's interest in having a king. Saul was more interested in combat than in unity. So when he and his heirs finally died, the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and they asked him to be their king. They asked him to do for them what Saul had been unable and unwilling to do. Now we know who David is, right? Uh, Mr. Justin referred to him in his children's sermon. David is the grandson of Ruth, or great-grandson rather, who we read about last week. In our reading last week, which Pastor Bruce alluded to, Ruth and um, Boaz um, conceive, have a son named Obed, who has a son named Jesse, and Jesse is David's father. It was David who defeated that giant Goliath, the story that most of us are familiar with, with just a sling and a stone. David befriended King Saul's son, Jonathan, and they ran around together for quite some time. And David was a general in Saul's army. David played the harp beautifully, and he wrote many of the Psalms that we read in Scripture. And it was David who had that unfortunate indiscretion with Bathsheba, who he saw bathing on her rooftop, tempting him to respond. David was far from being a perfect person, far from being a perfect king, far from being a perfect follower of God. And yet David found favor in God's eyes. With his failings and all, God used David to lead God's people. God was faithful to David, and David was faithful to God. But he wasn't perfect. So when the the leaders of the tribes came to David in our reading, we read that he had already been ruler over Judah for seven and a half years. You see, David was already king over some of the tribes of Israel, and with Saul's death and his heir's death, now the rest of the tribes wanted to to have him as their king and finally try to become unified under the leadership of a competent king. In an effort to finally unify the, the tribes, David moved the political and the religious capital from Hebron, where it had been in Judah, to the center of the kingdom. You see, he was trying to unite the kingdom. And so he moved the political and religious center to the middle of the kingdom. And that's what the second half of our reading is about. About moving the Ark of the Covenant, which they believed was the actual literal presence of God, into Jerusalem. Thereby moving it into the center of their life together. David wanted to build a temple for the ark there, but God told him not to. So the ark stayed in a tent, as it had during the years where they wandered in the wilderness. A temple would be built later by uh, David's son, Solomon. But that temple, as you probably know, would, would, would be destroyed. Not once, but twice as the people of God were driven out of Jerusalem. 
It might sound like a familiar story. It might sound like a contemporary story. The people of God trying to make their home in Jerusalem in the land they believed that God had set aside for them and blood being shed for centuries. Centuries with God as an excuse. My friends, we need to join the the world in prayer for the people of God everywhere who are victims of violence and war, battle over, over land, over wealth, and pray that God's peace might finally reign among God's people. Back to this time where we read about David moving the ark to Jerusalem. David moved God to the center of their life together. It was a tangible sign of a beginning of a new chapter in the story of God's chosen people. And this new beginning, much like Alyssa and Dash's new beginning at their wedding, this new beginning was celebrated with dancing. I don't know if there was a conga line, but there was definitely dancing. Reckless, careless, unabashed dancing to to music being created by a variety of instruments. All sorts of instruments, maybe even accordions. <laughs> I heard a couple of weeks ago about a, a polka worship service in uh, Minnesota where the accordions were being featured. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. David is described here and elsewhere as a warrior king. He, he was, he was a warrior king. He was great in battle. And you would think that his coronation at at his ascension to the throne would have been accompanied by a military parade, a military procession demonstrating his strength and his might as as a king, as a warrior himself. But instead we read that David gathered 30,000 men, his troops. He gathered them together to accompany him to get the ark from Abinadab's house and to bring it to Jerusalem. Did David need 30,000 troops to help him pick up the ark? He was going on an errand. No, he brought them to demonstrate the significance of what he was doing. And they didn't march back into Jerusalem in a military parade. We read that they danced. They danced before the Lord. They danced before the ark of the covenant. 30,000 men and David, new King David, danced before the Lord. They were overcome with joy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? When was the last time you danced for joy? I danced at my daughter's wedding. A joyous occasion. I I I don't dance a lot. When were you so literally overcome that your body couldn't stop moving? I'm moving a lot today because Bob put fleas in my alb. Thanks, Bob. But when were you so overcome? I watched Tierney during the the song for the children's sermon. And she's standing on the, on the, the, the pad here dancing back and forth. What was it that inspired you to dance? I listened to a podcast this week. It's a podcast produced by faculty members at Luther Seminary and shared with what they call working preachers, those of us who are preparing to preach every Sunday. And so they were talking about this text and talking about David dancing 
before the Lord, and one of the faculty members shared a story in her, of her experiences this summer. She had traveled across the United States this past summer presenting at and attending conferences, being special speakers in a church and attending conferences and speaking at conferences. And she said it seemed like every city she went to, Taylor Swift had either just been there or was coming soon. Have you heard of Taylor Swift? A huge concert tour she's been on. And in one particular city, at one particular conference, she said the music and worship had been wonderful, led inspiringly, inspiringly led by a woman. And, uh, and she felt like it, they'd had a great conference, great worship. And at the, at the end of the last day, in the closing worship service, this worship leader exclaimed as they were just concluding that final song, I'm going to see Taylor Swift! <laughs> With more energy than she had been able to, to muster through any of the other worship services they had had. She was overcome with joy, knowing she was going to see Taylor Swift. More joy than she had demonstrated as she had led God's people in worship throughout the conference. What or who makes you dance with joy? Do you hop out of your car and bebop your way into worship every Sunday morning? Do you have a skip in your step all week because you're filled with the joy of the Lord? David danced as he moved God to the center of his life and to the center of the communal life of the Israelites. David danced as he participated in making God's presence known among the nation, known among the people, making him much more obvious and accessible. So shouldn't we join the dance? Shouldn't we join the Lord of the dance who has brought God into the center of God's people? Shouldn't we participate in bringing God into the center of our lives and into our lives corporately? Let us too praise God in the sanctuary. Let us praise God as David wrote in his mighty firmament. Let us praise him in his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise God with trump and lute and harp, with tambourine and dance and strings and pipe, and maybe even accordions. Praise God with clanging and loud clashing cymbals. Let us praise God with every breath that we breathe. Let us praise the Lord together. And if we feel like it, even dance. Amen.